0: To us. Appreciate Brother Samford and thank him, amen, the relationship and friendship that we've had throughout the years that he still comes to Bendale and to preach to us. Let's give him a good Bendale welcome to This this pulpit again tonight.
1: God bless you. you. Hallelujah. Can we just take a moment? Anybody want to love on Jesus for just a moment? Take your liberty. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to be self-conscious of it. You're in the proper setting. This is the right climate. Atmosphere that's conducive to just love on Jesus. I think He wants to reciprocate. I think He wants to love on us. Anybody feel the Lord loving on you? The Lord reminding you that He's on your side, that everything's okay, everything's going to be all right, I'm in your corner, I'm on your side, I'm your God, I'm your shield, I'm your protector, I'm your savior. How many feels that tonight? The Lord just loving on you. Uh, I'm a very affectionate person, it's just in my DNA, it's in my nature. still when they let me hug and kiss on my grown kids and I certainly on my grandkids granddaughter that'll be 13 January the 10th her personality's changing a little bit I can tell she don't quite like Poppy to love on her quite as much and uh, and then there's Kate the youngest and then there's Easton next to the youngest and then there's Klein who's ten. And uh, Easton is the most affectionate one, the one that's seven for the six. If he sees me he's gonna come running. He'll jump up my lap. Don't love on me. He'll love on him. Love on all of them. And, uh, we get that from God. You talked about like the Lord wants to love on us tonight if you've been holding back a praise I wish you'd just go ahead and take that out right now if there's a praise you've been kind of just holding back put back aside just waiting for a special occasion I think this serves as a special occasion because we're in his presence I'm going to preach but I want somebody just to get loose tonight. Come on, your spirit needs to be liberated. Amen. You can't have church bound, restricted, inhibited in your spirit. There's got to be a looseness, a liberty. Can you say, Amen? God is so good. love and appreciate Brother and Sister Moore, this church. You've been our friends for many, many years had the privilege of coming to this church for several years and ministering. This church is a friend to preachers. This church loves preaching and it loves preachers. uh, We appreciate that so very, very much. In Psalms chapter 51, we'll read some verses from Psalms 51. uh, The Word of God, I'm not here to categorize and to departmentalize the word of the Lord it's all great but there's just some topics, some subjects that teeter on the more serious side if you will I've never been more serious about what I want to preach about what I'm going to preach because as I preach to you I will preach to myself there's a heart hunger there's a personal desire for what I'm going to preach tonight to be a reality in my life and in your life David says I verse 1 he said have mercy on me O God according to thy loving kindness according to the multitude of thy tender mercies blot out my transgressions Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, I will be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Verse 9, he says, hide thy face from my sin. Blot out my iniquities. Oh, verse number 10. He says, create in me a clean heart. O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me thy joy of thy salvation. The joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. In verse 10, he prays, create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. My message tonight is in a prayer request form. David's prayer request. And I might add, what a prayer request. His prayer request was change me, oh Lord. I want to preach. From that thought tonight, change me, oh Lord. Turn your hearing aid up. Clean out your ears. I said change me. I'm personalizing the message, the proclamation, the declaration. And my prayer tonight is God change me. Anybody want to join in? And let David's prayer and my prayer become your prayer. Change me, O oh Lord. History tells us that many of the first century Christians who were put to death for their faith because they would not renounce, because they would not deny Jesus, many of them, while being burned alive, or with their heads on the chopping block, would recite Psalms chapter 51. And because of that, many theologians have called Psalms 51 the martyr's psalm. Because it brings together, I believe, the painful reality and depth of sin. But also, everybody say also, the wonder of divine grace and mercy. Thank God we are products of grace and mercy. Which is the unmerited favor. Whenever one of us deserved justice. Mercy stepped in. Thank God for mercy. And Psalms 51 is a, is a combination of painful realities. Because of the depth of sin that has been committed by a man. But also there is interwoven into the chapter. The wonder. What I just said, grace and mercy. We know and understand that according to God's word, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. God's word has not changed. It is forever settled. The wages of sin carries a stiff penalty. Amen, sin. Unrepented sin, it will always destroy. It separates one from God. It brings death. And yet the last part of verse 23 tells us, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, sin carries a stiff penalty. Yes, the payment, the penalty for sin is separation, annihilation from God. But I'm glad in that same verse he thought it needful and necessary To give all of us hope in the midst of personal failure. But the gift of God is eternal life. I don't know about you, but that catches my attention. I find it intriguing. it's, It's interesting to note. And it reminds me of that verse that is forever settled. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you thankful for the gift of God? That is eternal life. In Jesus, outside of Jesus, there is no life. Outside of Jesus, there are no gifts. But in Jesus Christ, we live, we move, we have our being. We have eternal life through Jesus. No wonder Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. Aren't you thankful for life? and it more abundantly, that while the wages of sin, none of us can ever put that to the back of our mind and discount it or discard it. It's true, but it's also true, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm glad to report to you tonight, He's my Lord. How many can lay claim to that? He's your God. Hello? One disciple said, my Lord and my God. And I'm thankful for that. But Psalms 51 is a psalm of repentance. It is a psalm of confession. I'm going slow, but that's all right. It's written by a man, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. David had been elevated to lofty heights, positions of power, superiority, prominence, prestige. But if there was ever a statement that fits into the category of this man, it's the verse that talks about how the mighty have fallen. Talked about Saul, but David also experienced a personal toppling, if you will. Failure in his life. He that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. It doesn't matter about your present position, your current status. We must continue on. We must stay the course. God, help us not to become so cocky, self-assured, feeling independent. Feeling like uh, that all the rules don't apply to us. That we're self-made. We can stand on our own two feet. I got news for you without God. None of us will survive if God were to lift his hand from us. You don't even want me to continue that statement. But I'm glad that his hand, I feel his hand tonight. We shouted around here a little while ago. We shouted this morning. We might shout tomorrow night. But God wants to somehow dig us up tonight. And create an atmosphere. But also create an appetite within us. A hunger and a thirst that says, God, it's really not my brother. And it's not my sister. But God, I'm transparent. It's me, oh God, that needs to change. Oh, let's give him praise right now. (laughs) Psalms 51 was not written by a novice. He was not written by the off of society, by some, you know, less secondary personality in the Bible. But, But my personal feeling, at least in the top five, All the personalities in the Old Testament. And by far Israel's greatest king. That's not even up for debate. A mighty man. And yet David is in a season of failure in his life. It's a psalm of repentance and heart confession. It's written by the man David. He has sinned. He has committed adultery with Bathsheba. Didn't stop there. Had her husband killed, then covered it up. After a year of lies and deceit, deception, if you will, cover up, Nathan the prophet steps into David's life and begins to expose the sins of the king. David doesn't deny it. Say what you will about David. I'm not, I'm not uh, advocating that it's all right what he did. No, there's no way to justify his sin. I, I'm not making light of that. And I'm not trying to minimize uh, the initial faults uh, toward David in a, in a very judgmental way if we're not careful. But, but to David's credit, and I believe we ought to give some credit where credit is due. And to his credit, David did not deny it. The lies had stopped. The deceit, the cover-up had run its course. He stands before an anointed man of God. And he said, what you're telling me is the truth. He did not deny it. I'll go a little further. He didn't make excuses. He doesn't blame anyone else for his indiscretions. David... Owns his sin. He steps up to the plate. He said, my sin is ever before me. David is being brutally honest in his confession about his sins. He said, I'm transparent and open before God. It's out in the open, my sin. He's not trying to pass the buck. He's not blaming Bathsheba. He's not blaming anyone else. I want you to know a start in the right direction is owning up to your mistake. Quit playing the blame game. Passing the buck. Making excuses. No wonder the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. I want you to know there is recovery after failure. If you'll get honest. Amen. I must preach to you tonight that David's prayer request is my personal prayer request. Because I have not arrived. I'm not all that I need to be. I'm not all that I ought to be. But I'm not ready to give up on me, myself, and I. The Trinity of Carrie Sanford. I'm not what I used to be, and I'm not what I want to be. But in faith, I've come with a declaration, but I'm not what I'm going to be. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. He's ready to release some changes into my life. The light of revelation is shining on my path, and I see some room to grow. Room for improvements. If you believe that, shout amen for yourself. This is how we get Psalms 51. This prayer is born out of David's personal failure. I want to point out something. In this prayer, David is not just praying for forgiveness. He's not just praying for grace and mercy, if you will. He's asking God to change him. God, I can ill afford to remain the same David. I cannot run the risk of a repeat performance. This sin or these sins that I've committed must never ever be repeated in my life. That's true repentance. Hello? Hello? not getting saved and God deliver you from alcohol but you put a few back in the pantry just in case. No you clean house. And David said, the reason I am so adamant about this, and it's a conviction in my heart, you've got to reach down in there and start pulling out stuff that I didn't even know was there before and some stuff that I am cognizant of now. You've got to completely change me lest this happens again. I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever be what I used to be. Is there anybody in this house who remembers uh, what God saved you from? The gutter he dug you out of? You cannot go back there. That's why there's got to be constant change. There's a popular world word in our world today. Well, sometimes, you know, we just have to reinvent ourselves. Good luck with that. Amen. Now I know what that... Means and the connotations it carries with it, but but I'm gonna tell you something you can't just think stuff away and wish stuff away and get a different mentality and perspective. I'm telling you, we need altars in the church today, not just what we're looking at right here. But I'm talking, to, see, you can bend your knee at this altar and not bend your will. We need there to be a revival of true confession and true heartfelt repentance that when we see people come to the altar and they snod and boo-hoo, they're not just being emotional, but there is a distraught. There is a remorse. There is a sorrow that has got a hold of them that says, God, please change me. I'm not going to make it. way that I am is this okay tonight David said I want you to forgive me I'm asking for mercy but don't just stop there I want you to change me that's what he said he said wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I will be whiter than snow He doesn't just want to be forgiven because David knows that the heart is deceitful above all things and wicked, desperately wicked. So he wants God to change him. Why does this kind of preaching make some folks uncomfortable, uneasy? It's because flesh doesn't want to change. Your flesh will deceive you and lie to you and tell you, I'm okay just the way I am. I'm not a bad person. I'm not mean. I've heard that a thousand and one times in my ministry at least. People talking that type of language. Let me tell you, on your best day, your righteousness will not cut it. You may be honest. You may be sincere, you may be moral, and your high morals will not allow you to do certain things. But, honey, that's not the plan of salvation. Our righteousness, our goodness will not save us. There has to be an inward transformation that takes place. And it will only take place when you acknowledge like David acknowledged. This can never happen again. I want you to change me. I want you to take out stuff that's there that I don't even know is there. What I'm going to do tomorrow that I'm not even thinking about right now doing. I want you to change me in such a way that that thought will never come into my mind. I'll never contemplate cheating. I'll never think about robbing. I'll never think about telling a lie. Change me, oh God. What a prayer. He said, if you'll do that, these terrible things that I've done, there's no excuse for it. There's no way to justify it. I'm guilty as charged. But he said, if you'll change me, my heart that's dark, you'll make it whiter than snow. That's what God can do. God wants to deliver you from deceit, from lust, from bitterness, from anger. Amen? But it starts with honesty, transparency. When we recognize we need God to change us. Amen? He said, create within me a clean heart. But don't stop there. Renew within me a right spirit. He's praying for God to change him. I need a new heart, God. I need a new spirit. David was saying, transform me. Make me what I should be. Not what I think I ought to be, but what I should be. What I ought to be. He recognized that God could and would change him if he was sincere. David was just that. In Psalms 51, he is sincere. And his life has forever changed as a result of one personal prayer that was serious. A lot of people are sorry. Only when they get caught. I've heard about different people. That indiscretions and infidelity and cheating would go on for years. And they'd just keep playing the Christian. Going to the pulpit. Going to the choir. Teaching the Sunday school class. Going through all the motions. But then suddenly, they're exposed. And for the first time in ten years, they start crying. They're not sorry for their sin. They're sorry they got caught. Is this okay today? Thank you. There's a difference in just being regretful and sorry that you got caught up with. And the kind of sorrow that David is experiencing. It was covered up and hid for a year. But when he was finally out in the open, David hit his knees. He just been playing the game that a lot of folks play. I don't think I'd be able to preach about him right now, this sermon. But God knows the heart, the intent, and the motive. And say what you will about David, there's no record that he ever repeated these sins again. He prayed a prayer that heaven stood to attention. He prayed a prayer that caused God to step into his darkened heart and change him. Don't tell me that God cannot change us from the vile creature that we are. But preacher, I got the Holy Ghost, but you're still dealing with lust and pornography. You still got a long tongue. And if somebody hurts your feelings, you'll talk about them and run them through the mill. I'm talking about getting honest and saying, God, I've got to be saved. And in order for me to be saved, you've got to change the inward. Uh, it's getting rocky, getting bumpy. my lot to preach this he said create that means it should have already been there but it's not but create within me a clean heart renew within me a right spirit amen boy that'd go a long way a right spirit Amen? I, I want to have a right spirit. You ever get around people and they, they just don't have a right spirit about them? <laughs> Amen. Amen? The Holy Ghost is speaking at least two words tonight to this church. Change and conviction. Change. Everybody say conviction. I still believe true conviction brings change. David prayed, his prayers is a testament to what true conviction will produce in a person's life. Where there is conviction, there will be changes made. And yet I want to just, where is the conviction that we used to experience in our churches? I'm talking about when God begins to tug. It's not that God's gone out of the tugging business, out of the calling business, out of the saving, out of the dealing with people. No, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But could it be that our hearts have become calloused? And our conscience has been seared with a hot iron. And things that we used to be sensitive to in the spirit, now we're callous to. And it doesn't stir us anymore. And it doesn't move us anymore. And it doesn't create something in us that says, I need to move up closer. I need God to change some things. We still have good singing. Sometimes good preaching, worship, but something has been lost along the way. It's not that God has changed. It's that people have changed. James talks about these are they that have past feelings. They no longer have the ability To respond. They no longer have the ability to be sensitive. To be touched. with the closeness of God's presence. I don't want to find myself there. (laughs) As God was giving me this message. I felt personal conviction. I said God you need to get somebody else to preach this. I don't feel qualified. And I kind of felt the Lord say, that's a good start for you to feel that way. Because too many of my preachers and too many of my people feel like they can bypass the altar. And they don't have remorse anymore. And they can look at things and watch things and read things and say things and act in a certain way. And it doesn't convict them like it used to. But I'm glad that I can say with others in this house... God, don't let me go there. I still want to immediately know when I've dropped the ball, when I've missed the mark, when I've conducted myself in a way that's less than the dignity of a child of God. We need conviction. Can I tell you, that's why we don't see As many people as we ought to see get the Holy Ghost. It's because, honey, you'll never get the Holy Ghost until you get a conviction. It says without it I'm lost Without it I'm going to go to hell It doesn't matter who my brother is Who my pastor is Who my neighbor is It doesn't matter how much I give to the church It doesn't matter how faithful I am to this house If I don't get this Holy Ghost I'm going to hell Honey we need to get a hold of that kind of urgency And that kind of conviction that says God I'm not as concerned about it as I ought to be So God start with me And I tell you, the first service, birthday of this church, conviction was present. And it should never change. Every service, there ought to be conviction. That's God tugging. He always does. But we've got pretty good at quenching the spirit. Resisting his approach. Turning a deaf ear. But you hear this evangelist, let him that hath an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The first service, there was conviction. Amen? It was present on the day of Pentecost. When Peter preached, the people were convicted. Hello? Hello? And it had to do with what he preached. So it really doesn't matter what we preach. I like to pull out a lollipop. I know a few firecrackers to set off in Pentecost that, that we respond to emotionally and make everybody feel good and feel happy and pat ourselves on the back and say, doing pretty good. And all the while, we're drifting. All the while, we're becoming cold and indifferent and calloused. Hello? And we're deceiving ourselves. Because a few of us have picked up some things along the way. Is this okay? I'm not the pastor either. Don't normally preach this way. (laughs) No wonder I was up most of the night. I said we picked up a few things along the way. And the reason you laid them down initially because you got a conviction. It pricked your heart. There was a condemnation. There was a guilt that you couldn't get away from and you said, "I got to set this thing aside. I got to quit this. I got to stop thinking like that. I got to quit watching that and listening to that. I got to quit thinking about those things." And you laid it aside. But but if you're not careful, you you was on to something, brother. You started preaching to all of us. Uh, I think the Holy Ghost is just uh, connected with all of it and putting it all together. And we need to understand if we're not careful, uh, there's no conviction anymore against the wrong things. Well, it's kind of a blurry line. It's a gray area i wish that'd be a spirit and attitude to get in pentecost that says uh, that says uh, i'm not interested in what i can still do and still be saved uh, don't tell me how i can hold on to this and still be acceptable uh, just tell me everything i need to let go of uh, because honey i don't need uh, any weight or sins uh, i don't need any excess baggage uh, i got to lay it all aside uh, and it starts with praying what david prayed we need old-fashioned convention. I remember the day y'all do too. When I was raised in Pentecost, just a child, we had preachers come through. No education. I'm not, I'm certainly not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I understand that. But but many of them dropped out the third grade. Couldn't hardly put a sentence together. One tooth, half tooth, no tooth. Said, ain't pertinier. Country's cornbread, black-eyed peas. Nothing wrong with that. I'm proud to be country. Hello? But my they had no education. But they'd walk to that pulpit, and by the time they walked behind that pulpit, the atmosphere changed. Something started moving. They, they they started their little message and and a lot of times they did more slobbering and hollering than anything, but they were anointed because they had been along with God for hours, they'd been in the good book for days, they'd dug out a message God had dropped in their spirit, and they started preaching. And I remember those days. People started running to the altar. There was conviction in the house. Honey, if we're gonna brag about how far we've come, We also need to remind ourselves that we played the part of the fool. That we've left some things behind that we need to go back and pick up and say, God, deal with me. I'm not all that I need to be. Don't stop working on me. Don't let me play the part of the fool. I remember the early years of my evangelism. got a brother-in-law. Anybody remember those cassette tapes? Just started preaching, just a teenager. And they recorded my message at the Tabernacle at Seminary. And I I kept that little cassette. I I didn't like to listen to it. It was embarrassing. I was really embarrassed then. He was down visiting one time. He, He was just a teenager at that time. We just... He and his sister, my wife, just got married, and, and he was visiting. and he, he went in my old room. He found that little cassette somewhere. He dug through some tapes, and he put it in that little cassette player, and he started playing, and I heard him laughing. And I recognized what he was listening to. I was 15 years old. God helped those poor people at the tabernacle, what they had to endure. And what you folks are still enduring around here when I show up. But I, but I but I'd made a statement. I was preaching about revival. And I made this statement. And I said, my wife said she wouldn't believe I'm telling this. But I was preaching. Oh, I was feeling it. Wasn't articulate. I just preached it. I said, here's how I said it. What we need is revival to break out in our heart. He's in there just laughing. Every now and then he'll remind me, he said, we still need that revival, don't we? Left out of it. He said, to break break out in people's heart. (laughs) Hello? Well, you got to start somewhere. You didn't get as far as you are tonight overnight either. But honey, I got news for us. When it comes to our living for God, I still got a long, you still got a long way to go. And I'm not ready to pose for pictures and feel like I have arrived. But you know what? Some of those old tapes, 15, 16, 17 years old preaching. But all of a sudden you'd hear an explosion. People would go to shout. You'd hear people coming to the altar and start repenting. It wasn't in the presentation. It wasn't in the preacher being articulate. It wasn't in the preacher getting all of his grammar right. But it was a teenager that had been along with God, anointed. And the Holy Ghost began to move. And convicting power started moving. Change me. Oh Lord, you can be seated. And he preached what they had done they were pricked they wanted to know how do we right this terrible thing they asked the question what must we do we don't get that question often most of the time is what can i do and still be right hello How close to the fence? Oh, I know I'm reading your mail. Because I love you. And you've been on the fence for a long. God spoke to me right over there about some folks in this church. I never call your name. Holy Ghost is a gentleman. I try to be one too. But you're running out of time to change. Don't hear preaching much like this anymore. I don't preach much like this anymore. And maybe, maybe I need to repent. But I've come to, because see, we live in a day when people are thin-skinned, easily offended, puffed up. Well, I don't appreciate that. Um, I I knew he was saying, I knew he was going to say. that. I knew he, he likes to pick on me. I'm not picking on anybody. God loves you. God wasn't picking on David when he sent Nathan. He sent him because he wanted to change him. He sent him because he wanted to save him. He sent him because he wanted to bring David to a conclusion in his life of just giving up and saying, God, I'm guilty. Please forgive me. But some are running out of chances. You're running out of time to get off the fence. I'm going to prophesy not in a good way, but there are people under the sound of my voice, you want it both ways. That's the pattern of your life. But there's coming a day. If you're not careful. If you don't get a hold of David's prayer. And make it personal for you. You won't be here. You'll come to that decision. I can't take the pulling back and forth. Because the way of a transgressor is hard. And you can't take much more. It doesn't have to go the other way. It can go the right way. You can make up your mind, take this whole world. I'm going to look apostolic because I'm going to be apostolic, not just outwardly, but inwardly. I'm going to have the right spirit. I'm going to have convictions in my life. I'm going to have safeguards. But preacher, I don't have a personal conviction against some of the stuff y'all preach. I got news for you. If it's in the Bible, you don't have to have a personal conviction. It is your responsibility to get in the book and find out what it says and then comply and line up with it. To not do that will be detrimental. But there's time you to make the right choice. They were pricked. That means they were pierced. The word pricked means to be pierced with a sharp point. It was like a knife in the heart. A feeling of anguish and grief and remorse. They were overcome with those feelings of shame and sorrow and regret. Where is that in Pentecost? When you don't have to try to beg and plead and pump and pry and give a convincing argument, a closing statement, if you will, that this is what you, oh, there needs to be. Don't tell me that the spirit of this age is not working over time. And you don't have to even leave the house of God to find it. You'll find it among people. Amen. That will convince themselves that they're okay just the way they are. The conviction felt there that day needs to be felt here. The conviction felt then needs to be felt now. Amen? And we too need to find ourselves asking the question, what do we need to do? What must we do to be saved? that offends someone, then it must mean that they're happy being the way they are. Satisfied. An attitude that says, I'm okay just the way that I am. Can I say it? The way we are is really not okay. Being puffed up. Arrogant. Hello? Hello? Ill as a hornet all the time. Down and out. Self centered. Narcissist. Hello? Always craving it. That's not okay. To have a spirit of Laodicea. Was it Laodicea that says we're rich? their perspective says one thing what they view forms an opinion about them but then the spirit says that's your perspective that's I guess your reality but but you want to know about heaven's reality you want to know how God views this situation you say you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing that's so dangerous but I say unto you that you need to buy of me gold tried in the fire he told one church I stand on the At the door and knock. Hello. Can I tell you. Those things I just mentioned are not okay. Poor church attendance is not okay. Prayerlessness is not okay. Not having. I'll say it again. Not having the Holy Ghost is not okay. We need some transparency and honesty among us. Time to be honest with ourselves. I'm being convicted. How about you? I am not in the least satisfied with me. I'm not trying to win you over and convince you about me saying this about. You. I, I'm right there. Even Paul and I—I I don't consider myself at his level by any means. But even Paul, there was that constant awareness. I've got to die every day. I've got to crucify this flesh every day. I've got to kill some things today, but it'll spring right back up tomorrow, and i got to kill it again, and i got to draw the sword and just keep on hatching away and slicing away. It's a long-term project. It's a full-time job. But he said, the reason why, because I understand after I have preached to others, it's still possible that I can become a castaway. And if Paul recognized the ever-present danger, then I ought to be able to see it. Change me. If I'm trending in a direction, if I'm losing focus, if I've got misplaced priorities, misspent time, God, ring my bell. Get my attention. Let me know that I need to get back on track. I'm not satisfied with me. See, the word of God, and I'm not going to preach much longer, but the word of God is a mirror. You think you're all right? Get in the book. Because I, I, I'm, I'm the evangelist, and I get through and say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. A stab in the heart hello now, now some of you are trying to figure it out I wonder what his weakness I, I wonder what his Achilles heel I wonder I, I'll just say uh, I don't smoke I don't drink alcohol I don't run around hello don't cheat don't lie and I don't cuss. Can you believe that? And I'm not tooting my horn because I know what the scripture is. But I'm just being transparent. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not tempted to. There's some things that were settled as a 10-year-old at an altar. Hello, I know flesh is flesh. But there's just some things you've got to kill early you got to conquer it in your youth. But I still have flesh. There are things that bother me. I get an attitude sometime. So, believe it or not, sometime I get a little worried, concerned, upset, frustrated, aggravated, irritated. Hello? I said sometime. What are you saying? Sometime my spirit ain't right. Hello. I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, but preacher. Here, here's the scripture that I use for myself, Brother Sanford, when I have one of them. I'm glad the Bible says be angry and sin not. Boy, I told them off good, but I didn't sin. I got angry, but I didn't. I it. Hello. Come on. You're just kidding yourself. Flesh is still flesh. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not up here tooting my horn. Because there's a devil that's listening. Hello. I'm just telling you by the grace of God. I don't intend to go there. Anybody feel that way? Anybody feel an urgency in your spirit to say, God, I know that I, have a, I need you to change some things about me. Amen. If I'm getting a little too close uh, to the fence or to the world uh, and, I'm, uh, and things that I'm beginning to crave, appetites uh, of the world that I used to not even crave. But now there's a hunger. And now, Brother Stone King made a statement one time. He said, whatever direction you're looking in, you will eventually go in. I don't think the prodigal just got up one day and decided to leave home and head to the next country. He had been thinking about it. He had been looking in that direction. I'm here to tell you it's time for us, for the Holy Ghost, to put some blinders on our eyes and make everything the main thing, and that is to keep him the author and the finisher of our faith, to keep our eyes on him. Just a few more minutes. I I didn't preach long this morning. Is it me or is it just quiet? Anybody feel that quietness? It's a mirror. Maybe I'm teaching. In the natural, you look in the mirror. Are you happy with what you see? Well, that's vain. That's pride. Well, I'm just getting down to where we're living. Have you noticed any changes lately? I and, and you better be glad I go to the mirror. I think I mentioned it here. One of the grandkids spent the night. Got up next morning I headed to the bathroom to comb my hair and, and it was all messed up. He wanted to know what happened. <laughs> Tossing and turning. Sleeping, getting another pill or having Some of you ain't got enough hair to worry about, and I had a hair couldn't it just grows fast, okay? But when you got the kind of hair I got, it it don't stay combed. That's right. And, and, and you and you and the elephant in the room. No, I don't dye my hair. Everywhere I go, I have people to come up to me. I know you're in your 60s. You're 63. Do you color your hair? Lord, I, who said that? That's what I thought. I'm about to get. I had a pastor to called me the other day. We were talking. He said, you just preached me. He said, after, after you left, he said, He said, Somebody come up to my church and said, Does Brother Sanford color his hair? He said, I told him, you'll have to talk to his beautician. I ain't got no beautician. He's got a barber. And I don't. Now, I know a preacher that does. I ain't looking over here. I ain't talking about y'all. How fun funny, church. <laughs> this person told me there's at a there's at a service and this this evangelist walked in and, and somebody asked him, they said, Do you color your hair? And he walked right past him and said, Yes, I do. And just kept walking. <laughs> well, that's his none of my business. It'll just have to turn loose. Or turn gray. That's right. But I am thinking about having some work done. Not really. You say, man, he's vain. He's so full of pride. No. We all got a little pride to a degree. Didn't you dress up for this morning and tonight? Thank God. I said that in one place, and I guess they took me serious. And I think some of them thought, well, it makes me feel better because I've had some done. I'm thinking about having some done. I was just being silly like I am tonight. But if I stay in that mirror very long, I get to thinking. But it's just a thought. Because it costs too much money. I want my heart to be right and say God do I have a pride about me that ought not be up and, nothing wrong with carrying yourself but, but up until a point you can't be full of yourself I know some people who are they walk around with their nose in the air and there's nothing wrong with carrying yourself well but keep your nose at a friendly level hello When I get in one of these moves, I just tell everything. Almost. See, there, there there's no dish you, I keep my hair. The original, and I got gray hair. But have you looked at this face? The wrinkles. My jaw, my my, draw, my jaw. My jawline's sagging. Takes care of one area, but said, I'm going to make up for the other. (laughs) Look like they've been plowing on your face and wrinkles and crow feet and that hanging jaw. I'm going to tell everyone, I don't care who knows, I don't like it. But I like it enough not to change it. It'll just have to get worse. Some of you can relate. You know what I'm talking about. But this body will decay. We're dying a little more every day. But the heart, the inward man, the spiritual person, we're going to live forever. And I got to make sure I cross the T's and dot the I's. And when I stand before him, I'm a well done Christian because he wants to say well done. not even eight, let me preach just a few more minutes (laughs) let's be honest, there's too much flesh misuse of time neglected prayer sometimes we're too judgmental of others going around with a chip on our shoulder victim's mentality poor me syndrome I pray that God would convict us all tonight Come to preach. David's prayer can be our prayer. Change me, O Lord. I don't want to leave the way I am. I don't want to be the way that I am. I must decrease that you will increase. Make me what I ought to be. I want to be conformed into your image. This is not just words. It's a sincere sentiment coming from my heart. I want the mind of Christ I want to walk in the spirit. I I don't want to just be stirred like Agrippa. I want to be changed. I don't want to just get emotional and, and tremble like Felix. I want to be changed. Amen? There's a difference. What is conviction? It's when God deals. He tugs on the heart. Feeling of remorseful. Sorrow for their sin. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is talking to us right now as musicians come. I know we're not loud. We're not running. But that's just not the way it's going tonight. I don't want to push his hand away. He, see, he knows what I need more than I know. And I know, but he knows more. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're looking in the mirror tonight. I think we ought to just accept the way God made us physically. That's just me. Hello. Hello. But we don't have to be satisfied and content content with the way we are inwardly. If you want to grow, you can. If you want to become more like Christ, you can. I've been coming here many, many years and as a vision of angels, I have watched many of you grow. I've watched you grow. Through your struggles, through trials. Your faithfulness is to be commended. Did you know by law, David was to be put out? David and Bathsheba taken beyond the city walls and stoned. David paid a price the illegitimate son he lived seven days and died there was the stigma there was the sword that never departed from his house he was a man of much war and blood and failure scandals coming effect right on down to children a lot of grief and a lot of heartache. But that prayer saved him. None of us are perfect. But there's a prayer that can qualify the disqualified. As they begin to sing, I'm opening this altar to the church, to those that want to come pray and just have it a season of searching your heart. Taking inventory. Come on. Open every door to every chamber. Lord, search me. Shine your spotlight. Change Woo! Change Somebody. God's about to do a heart transplant. A new heart. A new
2: spirit. Like you. do to y'all,
1: between us and God. what you me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be any weakness.
0: know it's absolutely impossible to stay the same as much as this physical body changes time and seasons so likewise the spiritual man he's going to do one or the other something's going to shape us something's going to mold in that prayer, David makes mention of that born in iniquity, born in sin, shaping in iniquity. Thank God for a Jesus Christ tonight that was willing to step into our world and step into our lives. It's Gentiles, a world that went forth for four thousand years without an open door to whosoever will, but now. This one called Jesus. I can be changed. Amen. I want to be changed. I want to be more like him. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This falls in with some of our doctrine messages on Wednesday night. About being elders. Elders. Being adults, maturing, a man in the spiritual realm. And we, we, we're reaching for that. We're, you know what? Do you ever arrive where you, you don't? No. No, not on this journey, you sure don't. A heavenly treasure in the earth, a uh, vessel. And you got to just keep on working on this earth earthen vessel. Yeah. Amen. Gotta say this. Watch this. How many? Um, I to be careful here, but I'm not picking on nobody, okay? But but the chances going to the doctor gets greater as you become older. I can't tell you how many comes in the hardware store, and they tell me, you know, after they retired and all that, it's so all I ever do is go to the doctor now. Got disappointment, got that appointment, got The only time you ever hear that out of teenagers and young they they got a they got a disease. You know, there's something seriously going on with them. Are you understand what I'm saying? So the older we get, the more often we need to be with the physician. <laughs> Amen. In this journey that we're in. God's working for us. God loves us here tonight. And you know what? I want to be changed. I want to be just what God wants us to be. Man, as we observe and take note what's going on around us. Man, what we're warring against, battling against, what's, what the, this younger generation's going to face. God help us to put it in them. God help us. i am tell you something. They're going to have to have the, and there's only one, but yet they're going to have to have the genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost and a walk with God. And that's not too many years down the road. Notice what he said about the day of Pentecost. They just pricked in their hearts. They realized they was lost and undone. You can't hardly get anybody to confess they're lost and undone anymore. I mean, that's the world we're in. So, anyway, love you tonight. Appreciate you. God bless you. Back tomorrow night, uh, they are planning to come and put the new doors in. So, some activities going on, and you wonder what's happening. They're coming to put some brand new doors in this back of this building here tomorrow. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Man, So, thank God for that. And uh, we'll have to pull about back, dragging it and all this other stuff. And, Amen, and actually we've ordered to be the same color as the other side, so leave a match that way for you that's really particular about those colors. I'm sorry I didn't ask nobody. I just, I'm sorry. You know, (laughs) it just happened, so it's going to be good, and hopefully everything works out. And You can't have a split over it because I didn't give you an opportunity. Praise God. I mean, there's not a whole lot of options there. I mean, you know, we're not going to make the hole any bigger. We're not, just, it is what it is. So anyway, it's going to be fine. And somebody's going to bless us and pay for it. And, you know, so, you know, so you don't have a dime in it. Praise God. <laughs> Y'all should have shouted over that one. I mean, if you didn't shout on none of the rest of them, you ought to shout over that one. <laughs> Praise God. God's blessing us. So anyway, but uh, I just want to let you know that is going on. And, uh, but we're going to be here tomorrow night. Praise God. 6.30 prayer time. Uh, I think the small children, y'all still going to practice Sister Mallory to 5.30 tomorrow evening. For small children be here at 5.30. Going to practice 6.30 prayer time. 7 o'clock service time. Invite somebody. Come be a part of it. Okay? All right. Happy birthday. Amen. Okay. She can hear. All right. Sister Diana, we fixing a scene to you. I know you can't see our good looking faces, but we're fixing a scene to you. That's right, put our hands together. <laughs> all right, let's don't forget, the uh, program's going to be the 17th, and that's one week from tonight, and then the two weeks from tonight, well, it's Christmas Eve, we won't have service, we'll just have Sunday morning service, okay? All right, any other announcements? Sign up sheets in the back for anybody for the refreshments for program for next week, all right? God bless you. Appreciate you.